Good morning. This is Bonnie. And this is PJ. And we're here for Lit Chat. This morning, PJ is going to start off with what she read so she can let us know. Okay, so I was a little disappointed because I thought I had read more than what I did. And it's not that I haven't read, it's just I I didn't finish as many books as I thought I had finished. So I actually finished two books, and they're actually by the same author who we've talked about before, Silvia Moreno-Garcia, who did the Gulf Coast Reads, um, not this year, but last year's... The Gods of Jade and Shadow? Yes. Okay. I was intrigued with that book. I found it interesting. And so I wanted to see what other books uh, she had and whether I would like them or not. So the first one that I got was uh, Mexican Gothic, which is, I think, the one that really kind of made her name because it's very much associated with her. I know that this is going to be a Netflix series, or at least it was in the works. And so I was intrigued to read it before I uh, watched the series, which is weird because quite honestly, this is kind of a scary story and I don't do scary stories. But once again, I was intrigued and decided to read it. So this is a creepy story but even though it was creepy I liked it it was like a good creepy which (laughs) yeah I know I mean let me tell you I was surprised because I used to be scared of everything when I was little so scary is not my genre so the fact that I would be willing to read this is you know really out of my element but then also the fact that I really liked it I was like oh okay well maybe I should I don't know, maybe I should give Creepy a try. So this is the story of a a twisted family drama with sinister intentions and dark secrets. So the main character is Noemi, who gets a, her father gets a letter from her cousin, Catalina, that is, um, sounds a bit weird and concerning. So... Her dad asks her to go and visit Catalina. She goes and visits Catalina and starts to realize that, um, oh, and Catalina married into a family, um, the Doyles, who at one point were extremely rich and had a silver mine. So she marries into them and um, no... Emmy starts to realize, she, she stays there and she starts to realize that Things are not as they seem. Um, There's a lot of hidden truths. There's um, just a lot of weirdness. Also, how they act. They're not allowed to make any sounds. They're not allowed to talk when they have dinner. I mean, everything has to be very quiet. That just seems weird because that's not a normal family. Exactly. Exactly. So she, you know, right off the bat, it's so easy to tell that this is just a... Something's going on, but she doesn't know what's going on. And so I liked it because it left me guessing till the end. I knew something wasn't right. And it was one of those books where you keep trying to think of what wasn't right, but you just couldn't get down to it. So it wasn't really until the end that I figured it out. And I only figured it out because, well, it was the end of the book. So I really liked it. I mean, it was hard for me to put down. I just 
enjoyed it so much. I hope that if Netflix does do the series, I hope that they um, do a good job with it. It's one of those, it has these other world elements also. I mean, I don't want to say too much of it. But it's one of those things where it has those other world elements. And so for me, when you try to adapt a book into a series or a movie, it's the other world elements that could, for me, either... Make it or break it. Yes, because they could do a real good job of depicting it, or it could come out... Cheesy. Cheesy. Like, we suddenly saw Jaws again. Yeah. And as a kid, it terrified me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But now when I see it, you can see that it's mechanical, and you can tell... But I got to tell you, back then, that was like the height of, you know, special effects. Yes. Yes. And yes, it did its part. Because when I was little, I was very scared. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like it doesn't. The mechanics, as good as Jaws is, the mechanics didn't age well because you can now tell. Right. So that's kind of how I feel about this one, that I'm a little worried about whether they'll be really able to capture the otherworld creepiness. We can hope. I guess I'll just have to see the series once it comes out. But yes, it was wonderfully creepy and engaging. Ending was intense. It was just intense. And I think it also helped because I picked this book up right around um, Halloween. Okay, that would help. So it, it was Pretty perfect. Okay. So then the other book that I read of hers was Velvet Was the Night. And this one is a newer lit. This one is interesting because this takes place during a very volatile time in Mexican history. During what is considered the Dirty War of Mexico. It takes place around the 1971 student massacre that is called the Corpus Christi Massacre, where a bunch of students started to protest and the government got involved and essentially ended up killing and torturing and beating basically a bunch of uh, students. And this is still something that is um, very hidden by the government, so nobody knows how many students died. But it takes place during these events. And um, you've got Maite, who is, she's a 30-year-old, which, you know, unfortunately for Mexican culture, she is considered a spinster. Her mom is worried that she's never going to get married. In fact, she tries to avoid her mom and her sister because they're always letting her know that, you know, she's not getting any younger. She needs to find a husband. But Maite is into records. She's into English music. She loves her comic books, her romance novels. She's a bit immature. Like she doesn't, for a 30 year old, she doesn't know what's going around, like what's happening in her government. So she ends up in the story because she, uh, her neighbor asks her, Leonora, her neighbor asks her if she's be willing to take care of her cat. And Maita says, sure, I'll, I'll take care of your cat for a couple of dollars. So Leonora agrees. And then right when Leonora should be coming back to get her cat, she never does. So then Maita starts to wonder why Leonora hasn't come back. 
she, then she eventually gets this phone call from Leonora telling her to meet her at a store, a specific, actually it's a print shop, to meet her at a print shop and if she could take the cat in a box to her. She's like, well, why can't you come to the apartment? And she's like, no, I, I can't, I can't come to the apartment. But then Leonora never makes it to the print shop. And so Maite is genuinely annoyed. She doesn't really like cats. She's just in it for the money and she wants to return this cat that she's now had for a couple more days than she expected. So then she starts to investigate Leonora's um, disappearance on the sole basis that she wants to get rid of this cat. Okay. In the meantime, you have Elvis, who is part of the Hawks. Now, the Hawks were a actual group in Mexico. They were CIA-trained paramilitaries, and they perpetuated a lot of the violence that occurred in the 1971 massacre. So Elvis On is the good side or the bad side? The bad side. They actually perpetuated a lot of the violence against the students. Okay. Elvis is part of this group, and he's gotten a command that he has to find Leonora. So you've got these two characters that are trying to find her for different reasons. Elvis is trying to find Leonora because she has pictures that could potentially connect the government to the killings of the students. And of course, the government doesn't want this to come out because it would make them look bad. Their stories kind of collide because they're both trying to find her. And Maite is doing, you know, she's trying to find her through getting to know her friends and the places she hung out. Then she starts to realize that Leonora, you know, is part of these student protesters who are out to, like, you know, let the world know what the government did to them. Elvis, like I said, he's just there because he has been told. So then it just kind of all leads up to them trying to figure out what happened to Leonora, which I'm not going to say anything about that because, you know, that would give the ending away. I just thought it was really interesting, you know, the way the stories eventually collide. You know, Maite eventually meets Elvis. And then once again, the ending is just intense. It's one of those things where I was extremely surprised by the ending because I, I, I didn't see it coming. Or if I did... I started to get an inkling of it, but it was, you know, really towards the end. It's not one of those books where you start reading the, like, middle part and you're like, oh, I know what's going on. No, not at all. I did not know what was going on. And what on. was the name of this one? This one is called Velvet Was the Night. Okay. I do want to, if you decide to read this book, I do want to let you guys know it does have strong language. She does a really good job. Elvis was picked basically from as they say, like, the gutters of the street. So he's not the most educated. He's not the most refined person. He curses a lot. He uses a lot of dirty language. But, I mean, it's true to the character, right? Because you wouldn't find someone who's not very educated speaking politely and respectfully. And also, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing if he were a respectful character. Yeah, sometimes you got to kind of like, if you don't like strong language, you can still get through a book by just kind of skipping over it. Because usually the language itself doesn't affect 
the storyline. Yeah. It's just, this is how these, it gives you an indication of how the character is. It gives you an indication of the character. Yes. But it doesn't affect the storyline. So you can always just kind of, when there's dialogue, kind of skim through it instead of reading it. Yeah. You know, because you need to read the dialogue sometimes to just find out what's going on. But you can kind of skip through the bad parts, the bad words. I've done that occasionally. Oh, and then, you know, he his real name is not Elvis. But, you know, he loves records, too. And he loves Elvis. So he decides to go by Elvis. So, yeah, those are the two books that I read. I, I'm starting to really like her. I, I'm going to say that I really like her books. I never know what to expect from them. She does all different types of genres. I mean, her first one had mythology, Mexican mythology. The second one is a creepy novel. And then the third one is like a norlit. And what I enjoy is they're all, they all take place in Mexico. And as you may know, my family is from Mexico. So for this one, um, Velvet was a night. It takes place in Mexico City, and so some of the places that she mentions are places that my parents grew up in, that I grew up listening to, Um, but not only that, that I grew up visiting just because my family's from there. So it it was really nice. It always makes a difference. Yes. Um, So those are the two that I read. How about you, Bonnie? Well, as usual, I read a slew of books. Just because. Put me to shame. <laughs> well, you've got other things to do with your life. Apparently, I don't have as much to do. Uh, also, I I listen to a lot of books as I do other things, so I I kind of give myself a break there. <laughs> All right. But I find uh, Diane Kelly is an author that I have read before. Um, she wrote the Paw and Order series with the dog Bridget, you know, the police officer that yes. I told you about. She wrote the Death, Taxes, and Whatever series with the tax collector. She's got a new series out that I haven't started yet called The House Flipper. It's a house flipper series where this person buys houses and flips them, and I'm guessing she finds, finds dead, bodies. dead bo- I'm guessing. <laughs> but this particular one um, takes place in Tennessee, and it's called Moonshine Shack Mysteries. And there's this, the story is the Moonshine Shack murder. And this character, Hattie Hayes, is descended from moonshiners. And they're very proud of this fact. And so now that Tennessee has legalized moonshine, there's a lot of stores. If you haven't been to Tennessee lately, especially the uh, Gatlinburg area, it's like pizza shops. You know, you have a, a moonshine place all over the place where everybody is now selling their moonshine. And it's like these craft beer places where you have these flavored stuff. Well, she's decided to take the family recipe and make the flavored moonshine and open up a moonshine shack, you know, in Tennessee. This one takes place in Chattanooga. Near the beginning of the book, she is introduced to the local deputy, local law enforcement, who happens to be descended from the law enforcement guy who arrested her great-grandfather. So their great-grandfathers knew each other, you know. That's a fun twist. And of course, you know, nobody likes his great-grandfather, you know, because they arrested great-grandpa. Yeah. But over the course of the story, it's just like any other murder mystery romance type thing where 
you know they're going to get involved. Yeah. You just don't know how much they're going to get involved. So far, they haven't really got, they've just, they're going out to dinner. <laughs> that was a deal, a bet that they made. If he could do something, she would take him to dinner, but... Uh, now, is this just a standalone novel, or is this a series? This apparently is going to be a series, because it said first in a new series. So, oh, so they're definitely going to get together. Yeah, there's, something's <laughs> going to happen. But I just thought it was really fun, um, you know, with the the moonshine aspect to it. I do so. have to say that it that title is quite the tongue twister. Yes, Moonshine Shack <laughs> Murder. Yes, Try it to can say that be. ten times and see if you can. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, there's also... I don't. I have, probably haven't talked about them much because I haven't read them lately, but Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child writes these like suspense, psychological thriller type books. They have this character called Aloysius Pendergast, who is FBI, but he is described as a person that looks like a walking cadaver. I mean, he's very pale and always wears black. Skinny, so, I assume. Skinny, but he is extremely strong. He he practices all of those types of oh, like uh, kung fu, martial arts, okay. and the and also the the Buddhist kind of inner contemplation thing, meditation, meditation, yeah, okay. and that kind of stuff. Where there is times that he puts himself into these trances where he literally takes himself from the present and puts himself into the past to try to figure out what happened. It's weird. It's kind of, it's like I said, it can be really psychological. Do you know what's coming to mind as you're telling me this? I'm thinking of our famous skeleton Bob, because you said walking <laughs> cadaver. And I'm thinking of Bob doing all this like meditation and all of this like, Kung Fu, martial arts. That's what's <laughs> sorry to my head. <laughs> no, this story is not. This story, though, is it's very intense. This particular one, it, it is a it's sort of a series. They're standalone books. You can read them standalone, but they've written several with this character in them. And it, it has taken him through his life. If you read them in order, you can see the progression, but you don't have to read them in order. And what is the name of this book? This one is called Crimson Shore, and it okay. takes place up in Massachusetts at this little town. There is some witchcraft stuff going on, or people who believe witchcraft stuff. Oh. And so they have perpetuated this being that apparently attacks the town periodically. But it is a real being. It's a real person that has been, over the years, this witch coven has basically figured out how to make sure that when these people are born, they, like, have these deformities. Oh. And it's like, so they have this creature that literally has a tail. And it's from this... South American country or something where people used to be born. It looks like a tail, literally a tail. And so, but when he gets loose, he doesn't know what to do and he eats people. Bonnie, I'm really surprised because last <laughs> lit chat, you were teasing me about my dark reading material and 
I have to tell you, my first this two one books is are dark. Kind of light. Lincoln Child and Douglas Preston can get very dark. It, like I said, it's very psychological. It's mm-hmm. very dark. He has a very disturbed past with his twin brother. Pendergast does. Oh, okay. and you know, it's like people die, but then all of a sudden you find out in the next couple of books they didn't die in whatever this horrendous thing was that happened that you think nobody can survive and all of a sudden you find out they did survive and now they're coming back for revenge or whatever. But this one, it has the witch element in it and it's historical. Like they're talking about the town and how the town just kind of ignores a lot of the stuff that's going on. And then you also find out that most of the people in the town, half the people, are part of this witch coven. But they've kept it so secret. It's yeah. it's very, very secret. And um, it's just, you have to read it. This but, kind um, of reminds me of um, the Tanya French book that we read, The Searcher. Yeah. Because, you know, they, there's a lot of, like, drug that same culture type going of thing on, but because it's a smaller town, they just... Everybody does it. That's how they make their money. That's yeah, how they, they were making their money. Yeah, and they just kind of live by being ignorant of the fact or not even acknowledging it. But, yeah, it goes on. I, I like them occasionally. I can't take too many of them. It, like I could, it isn't the type of series that I can sit down and read book after book after book yeah. because they are so dark and so psychological. I have to like take breaks in between them. But they're, they can be interesting. And I if mean, you does, like that kind of book. It's, it does sound interesting. It really does. It does. It makes sense that you would need to take a break from it because they do seem dark. But I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm intrigued by the book. Then to go completely the opposite direction, (laughs) I'm very eclectic in my reading. There's an author called Rachel Wells, and she has a series of books that she has written about this cat called Alfie. And it starts out as Alfie uh, with Alfie the doorstep cat, I believe is the first one. It's or something like it's either a friend called Alfie or Alfie the doorstep cat. But it's social issues told from a cat's point of view. Every book deals with a social issue. And in the first one, this cat is living with an elderly person and she dies. And the family comes in to take care of her belongings and the cat hears them talking about him. Saying, oh, well, we can't take the cat. We can't take the cat. I guess we'll have to send the cat to the shelter. Oh, no. And the cat is going, I have no idea what a shelter is, but it doesn't sound good. So he takes off. This takes place in, in England. So he just takes off and he's trying to find a new home. And of course, he's now on the streets and he has to learn to live somewhat on the streets. And some cats are nice and some cats aren't, you know, that he runs into. Sorry, present day? Yes. Okay. Finally, he runs into a cat that tells him, hey, you need to find a street. The the street he happened to be on belonged to this other cat. He said, you need to find a street. He goes, what are you talking about? He says... You need to find a street where you go from house to house to house and people take care of you. They feed you. They let you come in at night. You know, you're called a doorstep cat. That's why they called him the doorstep cat. And the first person that he comes across is a young woman who is having some relationship issues. And Alfie discovers that this guy is actually abusing her. Oh, wow. But she can't see it. 
she can't see the emotional abuse that he is doing to her. It's yeah. it's more emotional than physical. Yeah. And then there's this other guy that lives a couple houses down on the same street who's single. And he thinks, oh, these two people would be really great together. But okay. I have to figure out how to get them together. So in the course of that book, he ends up almost getting killed when he lets the bad boyfriend kick him up against the wall when Claire, the person that he met, is there. And she sees it and she takes him to the vet. And then Jonathan, the guy who lives down the road, is hunting for him and happens to hunt at the vet's office. Mm -hmm. And they meet each other and he says, you have my cat. And she says, no, this is my cat. And (laughs) it's like, he's the doorstep cat. He's been traveling between the houses. And so he introduces them. And and of course she gets rid of the old boyfriend and they event, Jonathan and Claire eventually end up getting married. But then there's other families on the street that the different stories are about. Like there's one lady who suffers from postpartum depression and how he helps her through that. Uh, Another one who's gone through a bad divorce, an immigrant family that they have to figure out how to deal with the their new culture you know and he's just it's all of these social issues it kind of reminds uh, me of um mary poppins but like instead of mary poppins being like a nanny she's a cat yeah because you know how mary poppins goes in and that family is not the closest family but by the time that she ends up leaving She's but really... he, he does this with the whole neighborhood. It's it's yes. like his street and he takes care of all the people that live on his street. And and in the latest one, it's it's a gentleman who's he's an elderly gentleman. He wants to live by himself, but he ends up uh, having a heart issue and they have to put him in the hospital. But now he can't have his other little cat friend who is, quote unquote, Alfie's son, mm-hmm. George. Uh, they got him a cat one time as a as a friend (laughs) his his family got him a cat um (laughs) i love it and so george figures out he needs a job and so they end up sneaking he ends up figuring out how to sneak into the hospital to visit his elderly friend and the other patients and make them happy during the day and of course then when they're found out they have to figure out how to make it work but it's it's a really it. cute little s- series of stories. Yes. Um, uh, the books are printed in England. My library in Baytown is the one that have them. I have not found them here at Harris County. So it might be something they need to consider getting. I mean, I um, can definitely put in that request. And then, of course, my Bibliophile Mysteries by Kate Carlisle. And the latest book is actually takes place at a library-type convention, like a TLA-type convention. Oh. Where they find a dead body, of course. <laughs> she keeps tripping over dead bodies. I don't want to go to but, TLA uh, if she's there. <laughs> doesn't sound like um, a, mer- a good TLA. And then uh, J.D. Robb, of course, the In Death series, her latest one I've forgotten In Death is, uh, I've read that one. For those of you who like police drama, mysteries she's a really good one for that clive cussler i read one of his next books he's got like five different series that he writes in this particular one it's one that is the oregon files and the oregon is this dilapidated freighter 
that if you saw it, you would wonder how it's even staying afloat. But on the inside, it's this high-tech ship. And it's got all these hidden weapons on it and stuff. And they work for the government covert operations. Okay. Where the government can't go in and do something because it would cause an international incident. They go in undercover and do things like rescue people or kill people, even if they need to be killed. Or Who's what. the main? Uh... The main character is called Juan Cabrillo. He's the captain of the vessel, but it's run by a corporation. Uh, they're called the corporation because everybody sort of has the same level of uh, ownership. Okay. And But they're all either ex-CIA, special forces, these types of people who had these, or, or computer geeks or something, you know, that may not have the physical, but they got the mental, you know, and they all go, well, in this particular book, they have... Uh, found out that an ex-enemy of his has stolen the plans for their ship and he has made a duplicate ship. And he is going around doing things and blaming it on the Oregon. Of course, this is bad news. Yeah. Because the government then is like saying, well, we can't have, we can't be supporting this. And then in the end, the final option is something I'm not going to tell you what it is. (laughs) All right. I guess I'll have to just read it. And then... Is my final one. I, I have not finished this. I decided to pick up something I've had sitting around my house for a while. I have a set of Charles Dickens books. Oh, and so nice. um, other than The Christmas Carol and David Copperfield and, you know, your usual things that you have to read, that you hear about Dickens, I have these obscure books that I had never heard about before. So I decided to pick up the first one in the series, and it is called Barnaby Rudge, etc. <laughs> That's how it's titled, Barnaby Rudge, etc. And it is a two-volume book, and the books are like 400 pages each. So I'm not surprised, because I think back then... Yeah, they were written as kind of magazine articles or periodical articles. But and I also think that authors got paid for every word, so yeah. it made sense to be So wrong. they're very wordy, and, you know, it's Charles Dickens, so it can be a little difficult to try to figure out what he's talking about at any given time. And like I said, I just started it, so I'm, I really can't tell you a whole lot about it, other than I have found out that Barnaby Rudge is kind of a challenged individual, but he gets around town. Oh. So I'm not sure where it's going with this, you okay. know. So like I said, I just started it, but figured, you know, it sits there and I kind of read it at breakfast or read it in the evenings. It's not something I just pick up and read, because it, it's another one of those, it's hard to read just yeah. because of the the type of writing and the type of words and stuff it's just so we'll see where it goes and maybe by the next time we have a read what you want I'll have at least finished enough of it to tell you what it's about well next month we have we're doing the group reading which if you are part of our lit chat group i will be sending out the selections that we voted for if you want to be a part of our lit chat and know what our upcoming books are group books are then you can always um, email us at ada at hcpl.net ata at hcpl.net yes 
you can always email us and just let us know that you also want to be part of Lit Chat and want to know what the next selections in terms of reading together are going to be and I will happily send you that email. Alright guys, well this is the last one for this year so I am wishing all of you happy holidays, enjoy it with your family, eat a lot of good food, and here's to the new year. Goodbye and have a nice holiday. Bye guys. Bye.